0: Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast, I'm Thibaut and I'm Ara. Every week we interview thought leaders, experts and top performers in B2B sales. During 30 to 45 minutes, we will deep dive into topics like modern prospection, pipeline management tactics or innovative sales tools to help you navigate the complex world of B2B sales. We're on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs. If you want to know more about our sales training and coaching programs, go to www.saleslabs.io. I repeat, www.saleslabs.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. So um, maybe you can tell us a bit more about yourself. Where are you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, actually based on the East coast of the United States in Atlanta, I um, actually started off my sales career in, in startup world, SaaS startup world. Mm-hmm. Um, actually I did recruiting before that for a very short spin out of college, but then SaaS startup world um, from there, I, uh, went into uh, a pretty long tenure with Salesforce. Um, really just a good organization to grow in and and uh, get some mentorship and coaching and um, really start to, to harness um, you know, the, the, the sales skill sets um, around a lot of really smart people. Mm-hmm. Um, got a little bit um, more interested in getting back into companies where I could go build stuff again. And so um, ventured out into the consulting and services world by, uh, by way of recommendation from a, a mentor of mine who's, who's a C-level in Salesforce and uh, did a two and a half year stint at Blue Wolf, um, which is uh, acquired by IBM, building out an enterprise practice for them in the Southeast here. And then um, after that was recruited over to Seven Summits where I'm at today and uh, to build out their entire East Coast practice Um, where, uh, we've got about nine people, uh, under my, uh, under my management now and, uh, you know, doing about on track to do about 60 million in bookings this year. So, um, kind of came from SaaS startup in SaaS, and then into consulting and services. And, and, uh, it's been a fun, fun and interesting ride learned a lot.
0: Okay, that's that's really cool to hear. Actually, it's uh, so you spent like it's very uh, surprising because most of the time people who are going into software try to tend and stay in software because it's a uh, you know it's a very specific way of selling and going to consulting is often seen as like uh, maybe it's it's often done on the other direction. You start by doing consulting and then you're doing uh, you're doing tech. So wh- why did you decide to actually uh, go you know like go back to consulting basically?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think nowadays, with with how complex organizations are from an infrastructure perspective, and understanding how those organizations buy, and there's so many different stakeholders now within businesses, um, you can't. How we sell software is is evolving, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's really hard to find uh, or understand. Um, how businesses move and tick and make decisions and all the downstream effects of technology and all the ingredients that go into creating um, business transformation at scale that actually works and and an organization benefits from that. I don't think you get that in SaaS. I think it's really hard to find that experience. So I came into services uh, because uh, it was recommended that I go do that because I needed to go learn these things. And um, and it was a really, really difficult transition at first. Um, and that just, it just showed you how much more difficult this world is because there's so many more factors that create success versus SaaS. It's your, it's your technology, you're selling a, a platform and mm-hmm. it does these things. So um, I came this way because I think as you go up market, um, as you start to lead organizations, uh, you learn a lot more here. You, you're you not just selling you're selling people and you're selling an outcome. You're selling the, the visual, the, 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 the experience to drive that outcome. Mm-hmm. And there's a, it's like playing chess versus when I think you're in SAS, you're playing with checkers a lot of times. And so it was for me, it was to learn more. It was uh, to increase my value up market. Uh, and, and hopefully at one point allow me to, to run organizations um, and I, I don't believe I would have gotten that if I would have stayed in SAS. I, I just, I don't think that those, those, um, the opportunities are there to learn those things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's something I've actually learned by when I started my business, I started doing a bit of consulting and, um, like selling is one thing. So first I was setting myself, uh, crazy goals that are uh, typical goals. you see, uh, you know, you see in SaaS where I say, okay, uh, 10% month over month growth. And I was like okay, and then I need to deliver this, this thing so it doesn't yep. work. And then you have like tons of things that are just simply related to the size and the fact that it's based on humans. And the second one was like, um, it's very easy when you're selling consulting to find a problem, identify it. And there's kind of, a there's kind of, let's say conflict of interest because if you wanna maximize your contract and the duration you're gonna work with the customer, you have to find a problem and become a part of it basically. And as long as the problem stays, you, you're in business. And so that's why I found it, it's it's very tough because often you have like also strategy consulting, you have implementation consulting and, and a lot of times people don't really know exactly what they are what they want to buy or what they need. And you always have this kind of thing where you're gonna be doing do, doing slides and that's it, there's not, nothing that's gonna happen. So how do you make sure like um, you're selling the right thing and you're getting the results you want?
1: Yeah, I mean, you said something that's interesting. So, so um, this world is, Consulting is more difficult, Uh, but it's also sometimes more rewarding Mm -hmm. because you are delivering an outcome. And when you go and say, this is how much I spent and this is what I built. Yeah, I think when you talk about SaaS, um, I always think uh, tools like Calendly are really good examples because they they sell themselves. You plug it in, there's no implementation. It it just works and Mm -hmm. it's high value from the beginning now you move into something like a Salesforce, right? You don't just deploy or turn on Salesforce and it's, it works. And you have to, it's, it is whatever you want it to be, but you have to manufacture it and and create an experience with it. That's going to drive the outcome. Mm -hmm. So for me, the the rewarding part of services is, is uh, being able to deliver that experience. And, and to your point, you can find a million problems, what, what we need to focus on here are a what of those problems are obstacles to specific goals that organization wants to meet mm-hmm. and, and in what order do you do those things? Because um, you can chase a lot of money in consulting because there's problems everywhere and you can go grab yeah. it but organizations don't have unlimited funds to spend. So you really have to be you have to be thoughtful in how what you're finding aligns to that organization's goal, which is why we always start with an outcome. And if that problem that you're finding relates to the outcome that organization is after, then you're on to something you can you can present what that would take to mm-hmm. overcome that obstacle or hurdle um, and, and, and take a chunk out of whatever that outcome is that you're after. Yeah. So it is more complex. I can go find a million problems worth millions of dollars, um, but we have to be really careful because we also have to deliver good work over Mm -hmm. and over again that aligns to a business goal to allow them to keep investing in us because we're we're obviously producing something for them.
0: Yeah. I I really like that. I I think it's uh, um, like not starting with the outcome is, is a really bad thing because you won't be able to really know what success or what, what success is not. And one thing I've observed is um, often people, they just like put money and they say, okay, now they, they they kind of ask you something that are different from the scope and uh, it can be pretty, pretty challenging, but, Uh, I found like working with problems and I mean, and outcomes is is much better. And what I really love actually, and that's very in SaaS, we don't see too often is whenever you are selling SaaS, people are talking about features. They are doing a demo, for example. And so they are always talking about their stuff and consulting taught me really how to find problems. And then, you know, then you can maybe find like a, a revenue stream and potentially then you can find a product to solve that. But what I found is like, uh, working, you know, just like consulting and, and building these problems first is always a great way. And I think you can be applied to SaaS because when you go in SaaS now and you, you just get asking for a demo, it's just a nightmare. I just hate it. You know, you have an SDR telling you about the thing and then just like trying to bunt you and, and it's just horrible. So, um, so yeah, I think I think the, the the problem first approach is really interesting in consulting, and, and we don't really see that uh, a lot in SaaS.
1: And and the problem is too is it aligns to the sales methodologies that people are coaching on. When I mean, mm-hmm. you go into any of these SaaS organizations, and they're all ninety nine percent of them are coaching on on Bant or Challenger or Sandler. Yeah, and those things are all about finding finding a low hanging fruit problem, what's the ROI of fixing that problem here, do you wanna buy this? Mm-hmm. And I think I think one of the things we need to do better in, in SaaS because the SaaS will become so competitive. There's there's a hundred solutions for every problem that um, I, I read a book that talked about, you know, the deliver, delivery is the alpha omega of business development. And that is the alpha omega of selling. And from that initial customer touch point, If we take our sales hats off and we put our consulting hats on and we're not selling anything, we are driving home a point of view. We're understanding, we're being thought leaders, we're injecting ideas. If we transform our selling, even in SaaS, I think we can do this. And I think we can do it at scale. If we transform that, that, that band methodology into more of a curiosity thought leader type methodology. And then once we've proven the value in the concept, and we we have those things in. Put your sales hat on to go negotiate the deal. But I think far too far too often right now we're we're teaching these rapid sales cycles mm-hmm. to fire them off. And in doing that, we're also teaching bad selling mechanics. And I was I was built on bad mechanics. And I I had to come over here and really get kicked in the mouth ten times to learn that you can't sell like that everywhere you go. And it doesn't work and it doesn't mm-hmm. scale, I don't think, especially. As you go up market and you get a lot of really, really smart people in a room, I mean, they see right through those things. And and, and, and I think that that is, is bound to fail.
0: Yeah. So you're talking about about scaling. And so how do you scale in consulting?
1: It's a broad question. Um, what part? What part?
0: So let's say I have a, so, so there's tons of different consulting, but I I work with a lot of customers that are, for example, consulting in cybersecurity, or it's a bit of a mix of implementation and strategy. And whenever they're selling, they need, they need to, to kind of, they need to just like sell consultant hours. So whenever they have a pool of hours, then they go and sell more, they need to hire more people or work more. And then they always have this problem where they are growing their workforce. And if they have a downturn, it's, it's super, super hard to actually do anything. So, how do you uh, avoid that, basically?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, I'll, I'll talk about the space that I'm in, but I think that it's probably somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Salesforce consulting world, um, the, the, the number of, of service providers or service partners has grown astronomically. I mean, it's in the mm-hmm. hundreds, it's hundreds of thousands of, of, of solo consultants and businesses at this point. And uh, it used to be that you were just a partner that could kind of do, it, do anything, whatever that cloud was or whatever that digital experience that, that someone was looking to drive, you could do anything under the sun. Where I think the world is going now and you're also starting to see it in product development is people are high centering on, on being really good at one or two things. And in, you know, in, in you know, Salesforce is a good example because they're not going out and building all of these things that that are competing in markets. They're going out and buying a best-in-breed product Mm -hmm. that has been really, really good in that market. And it's the same thing with the consulting world, is we want to have a point of view and and be really, really good in in, in a a, a subset of that market. Uh, And that allows us to distinguish ourselves that we're not we're not good at everything. We're great at something. Mm-hmm. And having that identity, I think, is the foundation to scaling an organization. And, and so mm-hmm. some it has that identity. Then when you get in there, um, you use that foundation, I think, um, to start to expand into other things. But I think in order to get that growth and to own, an, own a market and, and, and have that, you have to have an identity of who you want to be and what you're good at. And then once you're in organizations, especially consulting organizations, you can start to push the walls a little bit on, and this is really one of our core competencies, but we have the skill sets to do those things. Yes. And I think the first thing um, consulting organizations do that is wrong is they don't find out what that is. Mm-hmm. They want to be, they'll dabble in a little bit of everything. And, and then it's hard to market. It's hard to, it's hard to go out on social and brand who you are. Um, so I think as a foundation, be great at something, don't try to be good at everything. And I mm-hmm. think it's easier to scale from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. I've, I've been doing, running my business for a year, trying to jump on any problem I could, because it's very reassuring. You don't need to do much called outreach. People come to you with a problem and they are all kind of different. And then you're like, yeah, I can implement this. I can do training I can do coaching. And then you realize you're average at everything. And then you know, just people are, are okay with that, but you can't really prove any interesting outcome. It's always different. And so I think it's, but that's, it's kind of like something we always know, but we never really are courageous enough to do. It's just, it's about nailing your niche. You know, if you know exactly who you're serving, what problem you're solving and what outcome can you repeat, then then it works well. And then as you said, expanding, you know, on other things as you see opportunities, but yeah, that's something I've seen very often.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so uh, regarding the, um, let's say the, the, the organization you, you, you recommend for consulting. So if you're selling that as you say Salesforce consulting, for example, um, how will you organize things? Will it be inbound, outbound? Can you maybe tell us a bit more about how you typically organize a sales motion there?
1: Yeah. So we're, we're, um, We're an outbound organization and we really have two markets. We have a direct market where we're going outbound to customers, which is actually a very small subset of our outreach. Um, The market that I helped build when we came in was a channel market, and that Mm -hmm. is going to Salesforce. So Salesforce obviously is running cycles for deals and and upmarket, there's always consulting partners involved in those deals. Um, How do we get in front of them? And that's the, that's the, believe it or not, that's the million dollar question is how do we get Salesforce's attention? I spent four years there. I sold there. Um, I, know, I know what they want. I knew what I wanted when I was selling there. Um, so we have to go out and add value to those folks um, and, and accelerate deals, find new business, grow their accounts so that they'll come to us when they have opportunities and say, hey, I've got a great partner at Seven Summits who can deliver this experience for you. Um, as we scale and grow I mean we're only at you know, a little over 200 people at this point um, but we've got to we've got to do that direct model mm-hmm. and and start to build out um, some infrastructure and 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 and, um, and, and a, a technology stack to support an outbound model going direct but we all know that from marketing and sales perspective it's not cheap to do that it's mm-hmm. people it's a lot of manpower it's a lot of marketing power to go out and and go up market when you're going direct so um, that's something that, that we're we're getting ready to work on, um, but I would say for majority right now we're an outbound channel driven enterprise level business.
0: Okay, okay. So you mean like um, there's some deals that are coming through partners, and uh, progressively you're trying to to make sure you source your own deals and and have this kind of uh, outbound motion, right?
1: Yeah. So so Salesforce is obviously the core, right? Because they're selling licensing deals, mm-hmm. and when people buy licenses, we work on them. Once, we, once we're in with clients and we're doing consulting services for them, we can also extract new opportunities and mm-hmm. we can bring them those back to Salesforce and say, hey, listen, we've got a new deal that we just sourced up for you guys um, so that we, we can do that as well. Um, but I would say majority of the time, the motion is we're working with Salesforce in a variety of different areas. They know who we are because we've done a really good job supporting them in other areas or we've added value to their book of business. And then Salesforce might find an opportunity, and they'll say, "Hey, I know a, a good partner that can work with you guys, Seven Summits," and they'll bring us into that opportunity.
0: Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. And um, and so, do you have like uh, uh, so? You said you were you were building this kind of infrastructure in outbound infrastructure. So do you have like a separation, like SDR, AEs, CSM, or how does it work in there?
1: Yeah. So we don't. We have we have only AEs. Um, we we, our, our delivery organization kind of also operates as our customer success organization mm-hmm. because they're they're typically delivering longer term transformational type um, projects. So they're there throughout the entire thing, making sure that project stays on the rails um, or, or, or any new ideas or problems that come up. They're solving for those as well. From a selling perspective, uh, we've got it, it's all on the AEs as of now. Mm-hmm. Um, to do their own outbound um, I have brought over some cadences and some things that I, that I know from the saAS world around you know valued consistent touch points um, what is that messaging how does it stick and, and how, how do we do those things um, but as of now they do it all and, and that's definitely a bandwidth issue right you can imagine mm-hmm. that them prospecting running cycles and closing deals that's just a lot to do for a seller mm-hmm. so I think that that's an area that we'll explore. As, as we continue to grow um, to start to create some operational layers that, that make those things more efficient.
0: Okay. Okay. I see. And so, so what about the, the handover process? So is it like uh, you're going to have an AE that is going to go and prospect and do everything until closing and then they hand over to delivery or are they, do they stay involved in the delivery of the, uh, of, of the solution and the value?
1: Yeah. So we, we have um, pre-sales teams mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that are an accumulation of sales engineers, principal consultants. They're, they're really smart people, right? Because the sales mm-hmm. people aren't necessarily the smart people. So when we have a when we have a deal starting to move, we'll bring in um, a, a group of of, of pre sales folks um, to help us with that motion and swarm mm-hmm. around that deal, create proposals, and do all those things. When we sell that, that deal, that principal consultant actually moves with that deal over into delivery so they'll be the executive sponsor of that delivery cycle they've they've run the wholesale cycle with us so they, they understand the client they know the players they know the scope of the work um, and then they'll they'll transition that work onto the delivery team and then they'll really see that client for the life of that uh, that, that, that relationship
0: okay okay I see and uh, one, one issue I, I've actually worked in a company we were selling uh... We pretended we, we sold the software, but we we're actually selling, uh, you know, just a service basically. And uh, one thing we had is we had a handover where we were closing. Then you do like this kind of handover call. And then like the project managers or delivery managers are taking over. And the problem is they, these people were really focused on delivery and they had no sales skills at all. So they were either identifying like wrong upsell opportunities or they didn't see it. And it was always very tough to kind of like come back and, because we were basically like handing over, dropping the relationship and then coming back and it sounded very, oh, the sales guy is here is gonna say, try and sell us something. So how do you, you prevent these kind of things?
1: Yeah, it's, the million, it's a million dollar question um, because uh, we obviously want to grow those existing relationships. Um, and, but at the same time, I also want to get more new logos mm-hmm. because we know that that's a huge metric of, of ensuring growth in services. Um, So as of right now, um, a lot of that's still falling on our account executives. And then I would also say that our principal consultants are starting to get better around um, extracting opportunities that they're hearing about and delivering those back to sales so sales can run a cycle on it. Um, We do have an organization of what we call client partners. Mm -hmm. So for our, our top, you know, call it 15 to 20 strategic accounts with very, very large projects going on with lots of growth potential. Um, we will move those accounts into these client partners mm-hmm. and these client partners you know, they're kind of like the tip of the spear from a skill set perspective in that you know they' not, they're not as good at selling as maybe some of our AEs are, but they also understand delivery. they understand how to scope scope deals so they're, mm-hmm. they're a jack- of all trades. We'll move those accounts over there so they can focus solely on on growing those, those accounts. But for the other ones right now, it's a little bit of a, a tag team, if you will, on principal consultants, account executives, uh, delivery executives to, to ensure that when we're hearing those conversations, backlogging work or new projects, that we're getting those back into the hands of our sellers to ensure that you know, we're taking advantage mm. of those capitalizing.
0: Okay. What, what kind of tools do you use to actually, because right now everyone, everyone's remote and communication is obviously alignment is super important in these kinds of things. So, what, how are you solving this problem right now?
1: So, we're we're uh, we're actually a remote-first organization, which was nice. So, mm-hmm. when when you know when the pandemic hit, um, it wasn't a drastic change for us. Um, we were already built for a remote world. Mm-hmm. So, as an organization, um, our delivery unit uses a, a, a lot of Slack. Um, I would say the sales organization uses mostly Google Chats because it's just easier for us Mm -hmm. to do it that way. Um, We're obviously a Salesforce consulting partner. So we're heavy, heavy Salesforce users. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we actually recently brought on Zoom Info. um, And uh, it was a strategic investment for us because as we start to equip ourselves to go direct and and start to go directly to clients, Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of incredible information inside of there. Um, and it also just allows us to go out and find people within our existing client base if we want to go into different parts of organizations um it, it, it's uh it's teeing us up to to take a, a, a bigger leap into um penetrating our current our current relationships and then also being able to go into net new ones
0: okay okay i see yeah yeah that, that, that's interesting also because uh uh, have, I didn't know the info could be used for current. I mean, it can be used on any, anyone and any account, but that's actually a pretty smart uh, thing to to go in the current account and see what are the other opportunities. Can you maybe tell me a bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So, so we're you know, we're typically entering into organizations working with one group or department, mm-hmm. and um, and if we're delivering good work there you know, we should be reaching out to other groups or departments within that organization um, to, to reference that work. And that's the lowest hanging fruit, right? Is, hey, I'm working with X, Y, and Z over here. You know, we're doing this kind of work, which I think might be value, valuable for you and X, Y, and Z reasons. You know, can we have a discussion around that? And, and I think that getting better about you know, landing and expanding in these, in these organizations is, is, is a huge opportunity. So having the information to go and say find contact information of folks across the industry or, or, or across the organization that's important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, Salesforce is still a, you know we're a channel driven business. So that's a customer of ours. Going into going into Salesforce contact information and making sure that we have the right people, the right information. If we don't have phone numbers and emails to go out and reach somebody, we want to go find those. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like the baseline. And then within Zoom Info, there's just a lot of other. Uh, um, capabilities that we're we're just dipping into mm-hmm. around technology attributes to see you know what kind of technology people are using within their stack um, there's there's news live news feeds of, of updates from organizations if they've gotten if there's an acquisition or someone received funding or something like that so we can use that information to go and you know, maybe pivot messaging to someone mm-hmm. um, so it's a it's it, it's a so far the way that we're using it it's extremely valuable i think it'll it'll become more valuable the more mm-hmm. we get into it
0: yeah yeah i think intent data is, is something super interesting and uh, one thing i've i've seen is for me i use a lot i call that digital footprint so on linkedin i use a a, a lot of the what prospects are leaving there as a footprint you know and often there it's way bigger than we we think it is and as you said there's um there's a thing called similar tech i think is uh, you can you can actually let's say put salesloft for example for me when a company installs salesloft basically uh, it means they are ramping up in outbound and in training for sdrs so i know exactly if you just signed up for salesloft within 3 months you are exactly my, my perfect customer and that's the right trigger so i think that, you know having this access to data is super important right now because the most of the kind of like outbound channels are super flooded you know and it's always you know like i receive tons of terribly crappy messaging for, you know like uh, outbound messages and using this trigger and showing that you've done your, your homework I think is super important and I think that, uh, I've never used zoom in for a search but from my what I understand you can see these kind of things right
1: yeah so so they have yeah so we, we, we get um, they actually just acquired a new company which they're folding into the platform here in Q4 mm-hmm. which will actually give you real-time search functionality so nice. if I'm following an organization and they're searching you know sales engagement, or sales loft, or outreach, I can get that real time feed that says, you know, hey, this organization just researched this, or you know, this organization just searched Salesforce. Like that stuff to me is incredibly valuable. Um, and if, if it would be even more valuable if I was running a, a fast paced inside sales shop, right? Like I want to be able to jump on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think you make a really good point. I think tailoring messaging is extremely key. Um, I think the days of you know the shotgun approach to emails and and not being really really uh, um, uh, personal in, in that messaging uh, is is killing it. It's killing people because um, it's competitive, right? Mm-hmm. We, like that's a differentiator, and and that's why we use some of these news and scoops and things like you are because if I know if I can speak intelligently to your industry and I can say that this is where it's going. Here's what people are investing in. Here's the here's the outcome that those investments are driving, mm-hmm. and you should be thinking about this stuff too. Like that's insightful. That sound that that that's the stuff that I want to chew on. And I'm like you. I get messages all day about people offering services, and it, it, if it's not personalized, it's I'm not engaging it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And actually, it's it's a lot simpler to be personalized than than, uh, than when than we think. Uh, for example, for me, I have a thing I always say is whenever like one of the best places to find uh, leads that are hot and qualified is at your competitor's content. So you can do the exercise next time. You go, I don't know if you're on G2. Are you on G2? Or you have a G2 page or 7.7? So. Yeah, I think Go so. to G2, go check the G2 grid. Check your favorite competitor, basically. You find someone on LinkedIn that posts regularly, like CEO or whatever. And then if they post about the problems of your of your customers or their customers, then you're going to be able to have people who like and comment who will often fall into the ICP. And so for me, what I do is I always take a screen, I explain that into a screen, a screen a, a video basically. And the answer rate I get from that are crazy because it's super simple to find this this way. Say, Hey, I saw you've actually liked the post of XYZ about this. And then, you know, it shows that you've done some research and you can scale that very easily. So often people are afraid of putting in the work because they, they think that if they spend 10, I don't know, like five minutes, because it's really five minutes per prospect, they will uh, actually have to work way, too, way too much, but the quality you get and the answer rate you would get by just taking a bit of that are, you know, yeah. simply amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's, you know, it's you know, that philosophy of like just kind of throw, throw spaghetti at the wall and see if anything sticks. When you personalize stuff, it, it's more like you're throwing darts than mm-hmm. you are spaghetti. Yeah. And I want to throw darts. I don't want to throw spaghetti. And I think it can feel like it takes longer at the beginning, but I think when you start to get emotion and, and, and a repetition down of where you're looking how you're going to write your emails, how you're going to structure it. That stuff is actually fairly scalable. And again, I, you, know, you mm-hmm. can send 100 batch of blast emails or 20 personalized ones. And I can, I can almost guarantee that you're going to get a better return off of the 20 than you did the 100.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so I always like uh, now asking a question uh, to give an opportunity to my audience to go and sell something to you. So uh, the question then, the best way to sell something to someone is to find a the problem they have and solve part of all of the, the problem. So what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now as a VP and how are you planning on overcoming it?
1: Um, biggest problem we face, uh, that I face right now as a VP would be, um, I, I think it's, it's keeping up with the pace that our organization wants to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not the only stakeholder in that. Um, you know, w- we have extremely lofty revenue goals that we have to meet. So how do you hire for that and how, yeah, how, how you got to hire fast mm-hmm. and, and you have to kind of build an airplane as you fly it, because as soon as you start to go for that kind of scale, some of your processes might break. And when your process is you got to, you got to re-engineer those to enable for that new growth. And then from a delivery perspective, how do we ensure that we're we're overselling our delivery capacity so that we can go out and hire a bunch more delivery people? And so it's this it's it's just like this game of of, of moving different pieces around mm-hmm. consistently to ensure that we're selling a lot. we we have the right people to deliver it, rinse and repeat. And that sounds simple, um, but when you're looking at you know margins of an organization and. Mm-hmm and, and uh, you know, what's, what's, our, what's a healthy profit and how do we keep money in the bank and how do we do things smart while also reinvesting. Th- those are hard things to do mm-hmm. um, in a services organization. And I often tell people that this is, that's the thing I, that I like least about about working in consulting organizations is you're balancing a lot of things. You know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're not selling something that has a 95% profit margin on it. We're mm-hmm. selling people and people are not profitable and if mm-hmm. they are, they're really expensive. And yeah. so uh, it, it, scaling these organizations is just, you're moving a lot of different things at the same time to ensure there's there's balance. And uh, at our stage with the how fast we're running, um, that's hard to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking of what kind of, because it's, it's such a, a mess at 60. It's a huge problem. It's, not a, it's a huge challenge that has underlying challenges and problems. But if, you know, like... Uh, basically being able to have like a three months kind of forecast on, on a, what are the needs uh, would be something good, I guess. So uh, would you have some kind of like tool or solution you bought recently and you were like, well, wow, this is really something amazing for what I'm doing, like consulting that really solves a huge problem?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that what we're, this is interesting. So you mentioned Sales Loft. Um, mm-hmm. I, I come from, the inside sales background where we use sales loft all the time and, and these, these sales engagement tools, I think traditionally upmarket enterprise, and I'm not even going to say consulting, cause I think that's even harder services, mm-hmm. but upmarket enterprise, people have often ignored these types of tools because mm-hmm. they think it's slower, more strategic And, you know, one of the things that that we have invested in recently and is actually a tool through Zoom Info um, is these sales is a sales engagement platform, because I think that um, I think that we can utilize these tools up market in a strategic way Mm -hmm. that that is very thoughtful in how we use it. And I think that's a huge opportunity for us because um, the. If you think about how sellers stay relevant and consistent, it's really hard to do that in a manual process. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really hard to know today. I, uh, you know, I got an email to bot today, and then I got to call him tomorrow, and then I want to send him a LinkedIn message. Like, we can create structure and cadence at an enterprise level that's thoughtful, mm-hmm. uh, that can help us separate and, and be top of mind. And I don't think people have penetrated yet, that yet. And I know they haven't penetrated it yet in the consulting and services world. Mm-hmm. So that to me is, is an investment that we made that I'm really excited about. And we're, we're working through the mechanics of getting that rolled out, but um, yeah. that, that would be the tool that I, I am feeling like th- if I was going to go all in on one thing, it would be that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the, the it's very exciting. The sales enablement space. I always, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a sales partner and uh I'm, I'm, I always find it funny because it's actually very, what it does is very simple, you know, and, and it doesn't look very complicated. And it's not like you have it and then it's like, wow, my life changes as a rep. But if you are, have people like that have their cadences in Sales Loft and that are able to really do that, you have this kind of leverage that comes. And if you get like just a few additional points of answer rate, that, that goes like crazy. And for me, what I would love to see is like, um, you know, here. this, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so is, uh, I would like to see first like the technology and then the skills for SDRs or sales reps where you can use let's say salesloft as your sales enablement base you have Zapier webhooks everywhere and if you need let's say to go and plug onto a podcast or plug onto different things and be able to kind of like use APIs to create your own intelligent system I think that would be amazing because then we would be able to really use our brains and automation the right way to actually sell more and sell other, and you know like solve better problems so for me, that's that's kind of the vision that I, I, I think will happen at some point. You see it with Gong and the way they integrate with everything. And and so you see that Zoom also becomes a huge kind of platform that in the infrastructure. And so I think it's very exciting, all this space we have around sales enablements and the tools we have, because there's a big infrastructure that is starting to, that is being rolled out. And it's, uh, it's super exciting, I think.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing, the, the one thing that scares me a little bit with, the sales engagement platform. And I think depending on the company, uh, and how they approach it could be, I could be wrong. I could be right, but, um, it, it's so good now that you could, you could hire on a brand new sales rep. They come in, they put their butt in the seat and, and you know something like a sales loft in Salesforce is already set up for them. You know, mm-hmm. here's your cadence, here's the templates, it's already written, just, just follow it down. And sometimes I I get a little bit nervous because when I first started selling, we didn't have any of that, right. It was hand, Mm -hmm. you know, it was emails and you pick up the phone and dial it. I didn't, we didn't even have click dialing at that point, but like, do we, do we, are we risking, um, getting people to build creative muscles of how they approach, you know, their outreach or their conversations Mm -hmm. by, having everything so pre-scripted um, or, or do you see more organizations giving SDRs in this new world a little bit of autonomy to tweak their messaging? What are yeah. you seeing?
0: So what, you, you're asking me what, what, I would, what I would like or?
1: Well, I'm asking you, well, first question would be, do you think that that's a, ch- a problem or a challenge? Is that we've over-automated uh, new sales reps? Mm-hmm. And the, the second question is, is, um, are you seeing people do that, or are you seeing organizations that say, "Hey, here's everything that we've got, but go ahead and tweak it how you feel is the yeah. right way to do?"
0: It. So I have a few uh, a few organizations I'm working with that are really smart because they are putting the sales enablement as an infrastructure, and then they train their reps on this, and, uh, and and you know they 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 let them kind of be more creative, and they get really good results. You have a an organization that's called hashtag paid in toronto roger is doing that the uh, i'm interviewing him also in the, on the show and he's really smart in the way he's doing that there's a lot of organization the problem is they go they buy sales loft they buy gong whatever and then they put everything like they they just say okay we're gonna like make everything super strict and you have no freedom in your outreach i think it's done because then don't hire an sdr just take a robot instead because it, like inputting information to get a specific output is, is called like it's machine learning or whatever. It's done by machines much better than humans. So if you put like someone who's a human, who's going to cost you a lot of money and be like, not so reliable as, as a machine, just use creativity, you know, like, and for me, I think that's why I, am. Um, uh, people always ask, is sales an art or a science for me, I think it's a craft. And so I think it's, uh, it's something where you have to be creative. You have to have the right tools. And you have to be given this creativity and the training. And so then, quick plug, that's exactly what I'm doing. So I trained for me SDRs to be creatives and to be creative and and use the tools they have. So they they, they just have a huge leverage. And if you have a good tool that allows you to basically not have to log everything that captures everything you're doing, and you have good training and good ideas on how to, for example, like... uh, a show like we're doing right now this is so simple to do you can tomorrow you can go and start your own show it's going to cost you zero euro and you're going to be able to interview your icp and get some opportunities going so i think it's it's uh it's great but most people don't use it properly
1: yeah yeah um that's 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 what i thought yeah where i've used it we've 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 kind of set a foundation of touch points but we've let folks write their own emails and put their mm-hmm. own creative spin and find out what works, what doesn't. And then I've also seen organizations where it's, it's a machine, right? The, the mm-hmm. thing, everything's scripted. You pull the handle down and, and you know, it starts turning and and that's it. And someone yeah. just buttons.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think if, if you're managing a team that is doing outreach, your job is really to enable them, uh, find them. The That's the thing is often that's something I find crazy is like, People say, "Oh, we have uh, we hired uh, finding their friends like we hired someone from LinkedIn, so they will actually train our teams internally on how to use LinkedIn." And I'm like, "Great, they're gonna train train them on how to use sales nav, and they're gonna train them on, on what LinkedIn told them how to sell." But the thing is, LinkedIn is uh, is uh, is much better used in a way LinkedIn didn't think of, and so you have to find this kind of external knowledge that comes, and and, and give ideas and creativity and let people experiment. And so I think if you're managing a, an SDR team or an outreach team, your job is just give them the infrastructure, give them the knowledge and gamify, like make, make sure they're they excited to kind of go and, and win more points, basically. It's, it's, it's about that. For me, I'm, I'm selling kind of coaching, training. The learning experience is what's the most important. It's the same, I would say, whenever you're training, a team, leading a team, the kind of like work experience you're having is what's super important there. And uh, often people just don't, don't really see it.
1: Yeah. Totally agree.
0: Yeah, good. So um, before uh, ending, because we are almost there, uh, we have uh, if if there's any question, um, just like you know, for people who are on YouTube or on Zoom, just drop them in the chat. And uh, while we wait for people to to put some questions, if we had they have some, can you be, maybe tell us more about whatever you want to pitch, or you know, like uh, if there's anything you want to talk about that is, uh, yeah.
1: Um, what else can we talk about? I think, um, trying to think about here. Yeah. I I think one of the things that we talked a little bit about, um, not just from a, a selling perspective, but, um, a a leadership perspective Mm -hmm. in, in, in the world that we're in today and versus the world where I came from. Um, and I think, um, I think this, this moving into services world has offered a, a, a very different Different management style than where i came from mm-hmm. and in that um, at this level I, I feel like my title vp is somewhat glorified in that like i uh i run the team and i have to do all the forecasting but um i'm in the in the trench every day selling with my reps and yeah. doing client proposals and meetings um and it's uh it's, it's a it's a really fun uh, interactive way and, and hands-on way to lead um and uh and, and I, and, and I feel like I got that in, in, in SAS as well, but I also feel like, um, there's a desire in the SAS world to get into leadership because folks feel as though if I get into management, I, I get to stop selling and I, mm. yeah, I get to break from running the sales yeah. cycles. And, um, I always just, I, I, I found, yeah, I found it. Uh, I think the reason why I've, 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 I've been so successful in, in this, in the consulting and services world is because I've always wanted to lead in the trench. I've always wanted to get in there with my reps and coach and, and do all of those things. But, um, I guess the lesson learned is that this, this world of services and consulting, which I highly recommend everyone should, everyone should go do a couple of years over here, because I I really do think that you learn a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're coming over as a leader, I just, I I feel as though, um, you have to want to spread success. That has to be Mm -hmm. your your ideology and that I, I'm, I'm leading from the trench. I'm here to spread success because I value it more than my own individual success. And in uh, this world, really, would ex- it really exposes that. And mm-hmm. um, I felt as though in, in SaaS, you could sometimes hide a little bit of that yeah. in that you could probably dashboard manage pretty effectively sometimes in, in SaaS organizations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I really like what you said. Often people say, hey, I'm gonna go to management uh, or so I, I can stop selling. Uh, the thing is just change, change profession. You know, if you if there's sales in your title, VP, whatever thing, you're gonna have to sell. That's your main, uh, re- your responsibility is revenues. You know, and so that's so you have to you have to to go and do it yourself sometimes. And for me, I just feel like in the world in which we live in, we're living in, and, and in the future, yeah. if you if you don't own bringing value or revenue it's going to be very hard to have a job or to, to do anything, because that's the thing. Now, if you can't provide value, you're less relevant than you were maybe 30 years before. And uh, before, because you had, you needed to use humans to deliver stuff. Now you, you can just like, I'm running a business. I would have need, I would need like 50 people, like 20 years ago. Now I'm just running it by myself. So imagine in 10 years. So I think that's, that's the thing. Owning revenue is super important. And uh, yeah, that's why it's super important. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think one of the challenges I've had most in leadership is that um, it isn't just about running a sales team anymore. And, and there is a, you have to come up out of that trench more often to survey the field and understand where the obstacles are. How are we going to be leading edge? What are the things that we're going to pivot? How are we going to experiment to make those changes? And uh, that's an area that I have struggled in a lot because I, I get so focused on helping people sell and and coaching and getting deals done and all that, that, um, that I, I, I I would find myself having a hard time finding that out. And I feel like today um, it being in leadership requires even more of that in in figuring out what are the obstacles, where are the opportunities um, to get my team to, to, to move a little bit better in one direction um, over the course of time. And and I think that's just, it's important today with how competitive things are and, and, uh, and just th- how fast the market moves.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Brett. So uh, I think we don't have questions from the audience. So um, so um, yeah, where can people, you know, like uh, get in touch with you, get more of you?
1: Yeah, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and I think uh, my name is linked to the original post of this, but I'm sure you'll yeah. repost it on that. Um, happy to chat. Um, I also work, with an organization called replays and we do um we do you know, really perfor- sales performance coaching and consulting to um you know help help inside sales teams either up market or, or low market um uh just get better with call call scripting discovery questioning demos and then we also help leaders um you know uh, inject ideas on how they can scale their, their people, their process, their infrastructure. And so I'm happy to always help and chat with, with folks. Okay. Okay, cool.
0: So, uh, I dropped the links to, uh, to your LinkedIn, uh, also replace it, it's uh, it works with kind of as, as a credit, so you can buy purchase credits and then you get paired with a coach. Right. Or I think, uh, that's how Dave told me at the time.
1: It's yeah, it's sim- something similar to that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. So if you need coaching from someone who's in the trench just go on Brett's profile, get in touch with him and uh, that's going to be great. Cool. cool. Thanks a lot, go Brett. On. That was really nice yeah. to have you and uh, talk soon.
1: Yep. See you guys. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, you can actually go for a small gift on my website. It's three www.saleslabs.io slash I repeat, three www.saleslabs.io slash ulos it's my ultimate linkedin outreach sequence you'll be able to download it directly use it and you'll be signed up for the newsletter and every thursday you'll receive the latest episode